Merry Christmas. My name is Brad Watson, and this is the Saturate Podcast's Advent devotional called Preparing Room. This is a 25-day reflective journey through the themes of Advent, as well as the themes of being the people God called us to be, so I hope that you will enjoy it. In addition to this devotional, we also have resources on Advent that I'd love for you to check out at saturatetheworld.com. One is the Advent Community Guide, which will help you have engaging conversations throughout this season as your community gets together. There's also crafts and coloring sheets for children, as well as alternative ways to use it with your children and family gatherings. So it's a great resource just to use with families as well. Also, we have a holiday missional community planning guide that will help leaders engage and plan for this season so that people will grow in your community in their love for God during this season, their love for one another in this season, and their love for their neighbor this season. So make sure you check both of those out. And with that, let's engage today's reflection. Mark 1, 14 through 16, it begins this way. It says, Jesus came into Galilee. Jesus came into Galilee is offered as hope, the first hope. After centuries of silence and of struggle and continued sin, and the resignation of the people was, no one is coming. And yet, Jesus came into Galilee. The no one is coming is over. And it's replaced forever with the phrase, Jesus came. And these words, they can't be ignored. In fact, the whole of the Christian faith is bound by these words. Rescue has come. Jesus came into Galilee and his arrival itself was good news. A man named Jesus, which means savior from the sins of the world, walked into the real world willingly came, joyfully entered, arrived, Savior, incarnation. Incarnation is the first miracle of the gospel. It isn't the turning of water into wine. It's not the cleansing of lepers or, for our more tightly wound friends, the the preaching with authority. No, all of those things are symptoms of the inciting miracle of God taking on flesh and living among us. The Apostle Paul writes, saying that the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. John says that he was the message and that the message took on flesh. The word of God took on flesh. Luke tells us of shepherds, while Matthew speaks of wise men. Mark, in almost Hemingway minimalism, says, Jesus came into Galilee. God arrives with a body, with a hometown, with a voice, with a name. Several years ago, a whiteboard came into our living room as the decision maker the name maker, the name giver. With friends and family, this whiteboard guided us through the work of educated people. Uh, Brainstorming is what you do if you're an educated person. Brainstorming led us to the name of our first child, Nora Rosha Watson. And and we got there because Nora uh, was a Celtic name that meant 
and does mean ray of light and compassion. And it, and it acknowledged for me my, my spiritual mentorship, albeit through books, under St. Patrick of Ireland. Uh, Rosha and Watson rooted this new child in her family and the union of marriage from her mother and me. Maite Rosha Watson's name, which is our second daughter, arrived from the power of God's grace and love poured into our marriage through a year of marriage counseling. Maite means beloved. And when we say her name, we're reminded that we are the beloved children of God. Our last child, a boy, received the name Truman Salvador Watson. And when we say his name, we pray that he would grow up into a true man of God. Finding his masculinity as a son of God and in nothing else. Salvador is the city where his grandmother is buried. We also named him Salvador to remind us and him of the Savior. In Jesus, salvation, though, is given a name. When we say Jesus came into Galilee, we hear the word and the flesh and the embodiment of God, the fullness of God, given a name, and it's Jesus. There's no more out-of-place name in our world today than Jesus. While God, just G-O-D, is as stylish as ever, it graces the platforms of political speeches and patriotic songs and and the thank yous of award ceremonies. The, The particularity of God with the name, though, is confrontational. Outside the confines of church buildings and community groups, his name sounds forced, confrontational, and and even simplistic, even trite. But there's a lot in a name. Jesus, we learn and we see in Matthew's gospel, wasn't plucked out of a baby name book or summoned from Joseph or Mary's family trees or, or a result of a brainstorm. No, it simply says from the angel, he shall be called Jesus. The Lord will save his people from their sin. The name is out of fashion because it, in part, makes a claim our minds find hard to digest. We have a problem with sin and that we need saving. His name disrupts our understanding of self-fulfillment and self-efficiency. As we talked about earlier in this series, Cornelius Plantinga, in his book, Not the Way It's Supposed to Be, writes just very clearly that our world has been vandalized by sin, we've perverted it, we've disintegrated God's peace. Sin is a a perversion of humanity. Every sin committed twists your soul and the souls of others. Short words, middle fingers, constant consumption, jealousy, greed, selfishness, all pervert the souls of men and women. Furthermore, sin pollutes. Sin is an oil spill on the great barrier reef of humanity. And all that God intended of the world, this peace, this flourishing, has been marred by human sin. And so Jesus is given the name Savior that the Lord will save his people from their sin. 
His name is saying there's something wrong and there's some need of saving. Often I hear people say Christianity has a problem with sin. Like we talk about it too much. There's all these, you know, we need to move on from it. And while the term sin continues to to vanish from our vernacular, its presence cannot be exaggerated or ignored. G.K. Chesterton famously said, Sin is the only doctrine that we can definitively prove. All we have to do is look around. The evidence is everywhere. Sin is the perversion of peace through the rebellion of humanity against God and others. Humanity exists to reflect the character and creativity and compassion of God, and yet our thoughts, relationships, actions, work, economics, and politics rarely align with his justice, mercy, and compassion. We can literally see it everywhere. At our dinner tables, at our workplaces, in our schools, and on the news. By the time you are two years old, you are already well acquainted with sin. You've already tasted the darkness of humanity. However, sin doesn't simply exist out there. It's not just something being done to us. The sin exists within us. We're familiar with the internal rage when we don't get what we want. The manipulation, the lying, the stealing, the cheating, the lusting, the abusing, and the using of others for our own comfort, even the ones we claim to love till death do us part. The opening five books of the Bible make humanity's purpose clear. Trusting God's goodness and obeying him as God. That's what we're supposed to be. However, we honor and we worship the created things instead of the creator. We make our own way in this world. Sin leaves us isolated from God and others as we grapple with the wounds caused by others and the wounds we inflict. While we might attempt to mask our shame, it just reveals pride. While we run from our guilt, it it seeps out into self-made attempts to solve what's broken within us, which is sin. Sin is why we find ourselves lying alone on the kitchen floor, abused and abuser shouting for rescue. Jesus came into Galilee is a phrase of hope. Jesus, the name means the savior of the sins of the world. It's a name with purpose. He will save us from sin. It's also a declaration of Jesus came into a place, into our world. He entered in Galilee. He has a hometown. He's walked in our shoes. He's been with us in this earth. Jesus came in to save you and me from this wretched brokenness of sin. Praise his name, his name of hope. So how will you then prepare room for his name and his meaning and his presence in your life? Before you go, I just want to say a few things about a new resource that's come out recently. 
called The Gospel Basics for Kids. It's an amazing resource that we hope that you'll check out. It's for preschool-aged children, and it guides these kids through discussions and story and music and crafts and illustrations and coloring sheets, all to introduce these young children to the important discipleship uh, realities of gospel, identity, rhythms, and essentially the way that we teach and train and disciple adults, we're doing it for kids because our children are not the disciples of the future, they're the disciples of today. And so go to saturatetheworld.com or amazon.com to learn more about the gospel basics for kids and get your copy.